Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you are looking live at the inside of the Herald Tribune broadcast studio here at 1777 Main Street. This is Doug Fernandes along with Scott Lockwood and Dennis Maffazzoli for week four of the Herald Tribune podcast on the grid. What's up, guys? Another day in paradise here in Sarasota, getting ready for another week of football. I mean, not not that it makes any difference to you guys, but we already went nine minutes into our first broadcast when this computer we're on pretty much crapped the bed. So now we're starting from scratch all over again, guys. So this information should be pretty pretty solid in your head. Uh, Before we delve into this week's games, which are all district in nature, this is when everybody starts keeping track, let's talk about last week's games. Uh, I was at uh, Booker, uh, Sarasota, 0-2 against 0-2. Uh, and it ended up being uh, Booker coming up to Irick Field and posting the 37-13 victory. Antron Thomas, 30 carries, 173 yards, three TDs. Once again, even though Booker had over 20 penalties, over 100 yards in, in penalties, uh, 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 Sarasota again made the mistakes that have become characteristic of this team. And we've all talked to Spencer Hodges or at least watched practice. They have to eliminate these mistakes in order to become a real football team. Well, I know he's been dealing with some uh, disciplinary stuff uh, the beginning of the game. Last week, uh, a couple of guys probably sat uh, a little longer than they wanted to. Um, like we said, he's got he's building a program. It's going to take time. Um, he's got to get the kids to stay within the walls of Sarasota High School. And, um, you know, all the co- new coaches go through a little growing pain as, uh, as they start building a program. Well, especially there. I mean, we were saying earlier about the uh, – Talent levels transferred out of there, you know. Brian Gag, Braden River now. Brian Petit, Braden River now. You, there were some other ones along the way. You had Josh Booker a couple years ago, Jeremy Trebles a couple years ago. They, it's like Matt said, if they could get these kids to stay, they might have a chance of actually building something up there, especially because you know, Spencer Hodges from Braden River, he's seen it done up there. Maybe he can bring the same kind of magic to Sarasota. Yeah, but that's like the chicken and egg thing. I mean, you want the kids to stay around, but they're going to leave to pursue a winning program, and that's going to make the program they just came from weaker. So it's like a never-ending cycle, and I think that's what Spencer has to do is to convince these guys that we can win here, and you can get noticed to go on the next level if you're good enough. Dennis, where were you at? You were at the Marquee game. uh, Yeah, the Marquee game that was delayed for an hour because of weather, the only one in the area. Uh, (laughs) Venice and Charlotte, uh, we thought it was going to be a Marquee game, but – Venice uh, got to the line of scrimmage, called plays, ran them efficiently, and pretty much ran Charlotte into the ground um, <laughs> with a you know running clock with 8.35 left in the third quarter. This guy, Brandon Gregory, 28 carries, 183 yards, five touchdowns, didn't play the first in the entire game. This was a guy last year that wasn't a little banged up. I, I know Peacock wanted this guy to be you know the main guy or one of the main guys, but now he's healthy. He, does he look like a guy that could – Obviously, if healthy, continue the rest of the season. Like he's this. healthy now. I mean, he's still getting his uh, you know win back because he missed the first game with a back injury. Um, he ran hard. He runs hard, and he's a big guy. Um, he's bigger than last year, and he. I mean, behind that offensive line, um, you know, he's gonna and he has a nose for the end zone. I, uh, you, you can tell when he gets close, he wants to score. You know, is is Venice. 
really 36 points better than Charlotte? They're probably not 36 points better, but, um, you know, they were that night. And, um, you know, heard through the grapevine that after Binky watched the film, it was probably a little <laughs> worse on film than it was uh, on Friday night. Um, you know, the, the Hayden and uh, Weston Wolf, the uh, quarterback and wide receiver for Venice uh, Brothers, have a nice thing going. Um, it looks a lot like last year, uh, running the same routes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Venice doesn't run many routes. They don't have many running plays, but they do what they do very efficiently. Sort of like the Packers of the 60s. A few yeah. running plays, but they execute them flawlessly. What game were you at? I was at uh, Braden River Manatee. It looked, oh, like, it looked, it looked like a real-life Madden video right. in the first half. I mean, Two teams combined for 545 yards in the first half of that game. And uh, it was, like I said, it was like watching Madden on easy mode. They were just going up and down the field. Nobody could stop anybody. And every first quarter, it was 7-6. to six, And then the halftime, it was all sorts of – the second quarter took almost an hour to play. There was so much scoring involved with it. And, uh, you know, Nash McDaniel made his comeback. Uh, second catch – the second touch he had in the game was a circus catch touchdown over Manatee Defender. Um Manatee offense was Keon Ford, and they got him really going. Seven catches for 133 in the first half, but they shut him down in the second half. One catch, no yards. So when you have Brian Batie going for, well, I forget that was 28, yeah. 28 carries, 267 yards, and four touchdowns, that's going to be tough to beat. And uh, they just kind of wore Manatee down in the third quarter, and that was the difference in the ballgame. As we said on the first truncated version of this, obviously Brian Batie knew what he was doing. Uh, I'm not saying he couldn't get 267 yards with this current Sailor team, but he's a lot more likely to do it in Braden River to get noticed to play on Saturday. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, guys, uh, we talked about it last week. These guys are supposed to be transferring for a non-football reason. Am I right, Dennis? They shouldn't be transferring schools just to go play football in a different school, right? They should be, but they're... But we know that happens. Yeah, it happens. Uh, Nice theory, anyway. Nice theory. Um, Let's go basically over some of the other games in the area. We talked about the great quarterbacks on the earlier version. You know, Palmetto beats Riverview. Anthony, uh, Tony Marino, three rushing touchdowns, two passing, 262 passing, 40 yards rushing. Is he among, Dennis, some of the uh, better, I'm not saying the best, but the better quarterbacks in the area? Certainly. I mean, he's a dual threat option. I mean, he can throw it. He's got receivers. Uh, he's not afraid to tuck it and run it. Um, probably one of the best uh, RPO guy in the area. And he's the coach's son. Coach's son. You I mean, see- other guys throw the ball. Right. You know, other guy, uh, you know, uh, Hayden Wolf can throw the ball. Brian Guy can throw the ball. They're not known as runners, but they right. can run. I mean, they get out of the pocket. But uh, looks like Marino can do uh, both very well. You know, Port Charlotte moved to 3-0. and We're talking about undefeated teams. They beat Lemon Bay despite turning the ball over five times. And I really like Jordan Ingham. But he said, it's up to us to motivate the kids better. And I chuckle at that. I mean, you played high school football. Was there ever a time when you had to be motivated to play on a Friday? I know, I know you pretty much stood most of the game, but when you did get in the game, did you have to be motivated to play? Two words, John Spray. <laughs> he didn't need any more motivation than that at Riverview back in the 90s. So he, you were out there. You knew why you were out there. And it was, the, it was the honor and the privilege to play on Friday nights, especially in those days when the Ramble was full every Friday night. Dennis, you grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in Massachusetts. Not exactly hotbeds for high school football, but I don't remember any of those kids back then having to get motivated to play high school football once a week. They were they were chomping at the bit to get out there to play. No, it was pretty hard nosed. I mean, they they, they got out there and they, they played, and you know that's uh, that's what you expect to see on a Friday night, Friday afternoon in New Jersey, Saturday morning, Saturday <laughs> afternoon in New Jersey. Not a lot of the schools had lights up there at the time I was up there, so it was. Uh, 
uh, less deadline pressure. Let's put it that way. Oh, it was a different, <laughs> it was a different era for football. That's right. You know, you, you, it was a privilege to play for a high school team. And the high school stud on my my team, he went to play for BU. He would never even consider going across five miles and play for the rival school. It wasn't even considered back then. But obviously, times have changed. Even in the nineties, we wouldn't have done that. No. The thought of playing for Sarasota back in those days, we played for Riverview, and I get you banished right away. Yeah, but uh, the old uh, loyalty thing, uh, you know, that may that may be dead or died a few years ago. We we can't uh, overlook uh, John Bizoon's team. We've given him some pub for good reason. The team is three and zero for the first time since they wore leather helmets up there. Uh, they've only allowed three points in three games. They opened up their district schedule against Southeast. Uh, you anticipating a good game, good district matchup? Southeast returns four Lakewood Ranch fumbles for touchdowns in their win last week. This is the game that I'm, <laughs> yeah, this, this will be the game that I'm going to be at Friday night. So I'm hoping it's going to be a good game. However, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. Um, Bayshore had one touchdown last week because they have a fumble, a fumble recovery in the end zone. And they did that against a, an Island Coast team that's not very good. So not one of the stronger teams down there in that Fort Myers Cape Coral area. So I don't think that um, – I think 13, 16 points might win this game. Uh, I, I tend to think Bayshore is going to get it done. But, you know, it's Timmons and that Southeast team at Meckley Field. I think home cooking – it's almost a pick em game. I've got – I think I picked Bayshore in our previews this week, but I would, it's, it's a dangerous pick. I saw Dennis shaking his head when I mentioned returning four fumbles for touchdowns. I, I mean, again, it's one thing to fumble the ball – but to have him return four times for touchdowns, what are you doing? Are you just watching the opponent pick up the ball and run back with it? Or what's happening out there? It's almost hard to do. I mean, <laughs> How do you really not run into a teammate or, or a, you know, a player on the other team just accidentally and fall down? Yeah, I, I guess you're not watching where, where the ball's going. Or you're not quick enough. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're getting a running start. You know, not picking on Lakewood Ranch. I mean, obviously they've had their problems they're, they're, over the They years. have growing pains, too. I mean, they, they have a great coach. and. Right. Uh, you know, he's de- developing a program and, uh, you know, take a little time. Obviously, Sarasota 0 3, they're 0 3. It's, it's not being reflected favorably on the scoreboard on a Friday night at the end of the night. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Guys, looking at the games this week, again, they're all district. There are some marquee matchups. Uh, I'm not going to be at one, I'm going to be at Northport, Sarasota. Uh, Sarasota has taken the lead for the best uh, halftime buffet. They have a couple of strong caterers, so I'd appreciate Dennis sending me to those games the rest of the the rest of the season. But where are you guys going? You'll be at where, Scott? I was just talking about. It. I'm going to be at uh, Bayshore Southeast. So, right. Uh, at, um, I haven't been to a game at Southeast I think since about 2012, so it's going to be a different experience up there. Like I said, I'm learning all these places again because I'm new in this beat after being in Venice for so long. So it's going to be. I don't know about what your buffet options are, but I actually, starting starting here, I've, I'm not doing the whole press box thing like I used to. I'm actually on the field because we have to do video. And mm-hmm. At least I try to do some video and some extra stuff with the coverage. So, it, um, looking forward to that experience now. Yeah, and the district matchups, uh, that's what we... That's what we cover for. I mean, that's what this is the games that everybody sort of waits for. Dennis, where are you going to be at? I'll be at Braden River for Palmetto. See, uh... How do, how, do you, how do you see that? Uh, not to go back, you have uh, uh, Bayshore winning, but you have Southeast scoring more points than Bayshore has allowed in three games so far. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, it's just it's one of those county rivalry games, and uh, bragging rights are kind of a bigger mm-hmm. thing when you're a player, and it's a district game. They know each other fairly well, even though Bayshore's got a lot of new talent this year. But uh, I don't know. I just think that uh, it's, it's, a t- it's a tough pick, and see, I don't see it, uh, being, like I said, being a high-scoring game. 
but I think that Southeast will definitely score more than you're going to be at a very interesting game. This could be a shootout of all shootouts, right? I, I could see my game being a little high scoring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you see? I mean, is it too early to think how? I mean, obviously, Brain River is the home field advantage, but yeah, uh, I mean, whoever has the ball last, maybe uh, I don't know. I was about it's, to say that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's going to be a shootout. Um, I don't see the defenses stopping, you know, each other. Could come down the mistakes. Could come down the penalties. Uh, hopefully, it's a dry field. If it's a dry field, uh, we could see in the fifties. For both. You know, some of the other games, uh, they're all district, as we said, but Manatee at Lithia, I know you have Manatee coming out on top, even though they go on the road. Yeah, I think that that's good. that one will be one of those. It's, it's, Lithia is one of the weaker teams in oh. 8A6, and it's not uh, not going to be pretty one. I think Manatee should win that one fairly easily. I think Riverview should be snorting a little bit after their loss last week, going up and play Lute Steinbrenner. They better be. They better be. I mean, you anticipate a Riverview win for that, too, I right? I anticipate a Riverview win. They, they, they got to get in the win column, especially in the district. Yeah. Right. Uh, Venice at, at Lakewood Ranch. Uh, I mean, this could be a drawing and quartering up the there. The starters will be out early in that one. Yeah, this, this could be a running clock I think, early. I think your backups might even be playing before halftime in that one if, uh, from some of the stuff we've been hearing from Venice. You never and again, I'm not really look. If I was a Cape Coral Ida Baker coach, I might be coming into Charlotte, treading softly. Charlotte's again should be fired up. Uh, are you anticipating maybe a running clock in this one too, Dennis? Uh, probably. Uh, the Ida Baker coach is a former Charlotte assistant, Jim Wiseman. So I don't know if they'll take it easy on him, but um, they'll uh, they'll definitely look good forward to get back on the winning track. Uh, undefeated Port Charlotte three and zero. If they cut down on the turnovers. Four and zero against Cape Coral. Cape Coral coming into uh, Pirate Field uh, uh, again. Uh, most of these games, are you anticipating uh, besides the Bayshore game, 10, 15 point spreads on most of these uh, as we talked about already. This one here, I think, with Mark John Louis, the way he's running the ball and moving that ball down there for Fort Charlotte, I don't see how Cape Coral can stay with them. So that district's going to be um, North Fort Myers, Charlotte, and Port Charlotte. I mean, they're they're the three teams in that uh, district. You know, Wachula Hardy comes into Booker, obviously a key district game. But, uh, you know, Booker just, I mean, they won last week two, uh, 200, uh, 200 yards in penalties or 20 penalties for like 130 yards in, in penalties. Uh, I mean, if, if they continue putting the ball on the ground and making mistakes, this could be another bad, bad running clock game. Well, we were in 5A, this is one of those 5A-11 games where I think you got Hardy County and everybody else fighting for second place. And I think it's Bayshore and Southeast included in that. So, you know, if the way the Booker was playing, I saw him against Riverview. I mean, that might not be a fair thing to say, but they didn't take care of the ball that night. They turned it over seven times in that mm-hmm. game. If they do that against a team like Hardy, it's, it's going to be even uglier than that night. The Soto County's at Lemon Bay. Uh, you know, the Soto doesn't get a lot of a pub. Uh, how do you see that, that game going? Uh, it's probably pretty even. Um, now Lemon Bay's got to, uh, you know, not turn the ball over, not make mistakes like they did last week against Port Charlotte. Um, it's a winnable game for for both. Surprising team of the area, or maybe not. We didn't know what Coach Kempton really was going to bring to the table. Undefeated Outdoor Academy at Bradenton Christian. Uh, should Chris Kempton's team move to uh, Thunder 4-0 and on this? What do you think? I would That's... definitely say so. I mean, I've spent some time with them this week, and their, their defense, they've only allowed, what, three points there. I think, no, it's 15 points in three. It's something. 15 points in three yeah. games. In three games. So I've spent some time out there with them this week for a story I got coming out on Friday. And they're a confident bunch. And uh, they keep that up in that, that uh, Sunshine State Athletic Conference. Um, 
in their division, they're already looking ahead, possibly a little bit too far ahead with uh, St. Stephen's. That's going to be the game of the year in that conference. And it's coming up here pretty soon. St. Stephen's lost the first time for the first time, what, 22, 23 games. Uh, now they're hosting St. Pete Shorecrest. Uh, who do you have uh, winning in this one, Scott, in your uh... – I have St. – because a lot of these, these teams that uh, – these like smaller schools from out of the area, you can't really find a lot on them. So I, I, I took St. Stephen's, kind of in a low scoring. I think I took 17, 13, something like that. They should get back on the winning track. And one thing about the out of door academy, it, it, it's not like there's a new coach there. Um, you know, the, Kempton's been on the staff. And, um, you know, so he, he's not building a program. He's just taking over uh, a program that, uh, you know, was being built. He's doing, a, he's doing a good job of it. And, it just shows you continuity when you got a guy coming in totally off the street versus somebody that's been on the staff. Uh, that can account for, uh, I wouldn't say wins, but that familiarity can can mean something down the road. Guys, we can't let a week pass without you wrote the story, Dennis, a very fine story about Knowledge McDaniel. You were shaking your head telling me this story. What should have been a 20, 25-minute couple of witnesses or a couple of discussions, make a decision, goes into a three-hour thing. I love the comment of this committee, quote-unquote, he said that he was not at fault. It was the officials at Braden River. Basically, it was the adults' fault. And, oh, by the way, you'll, you'll get three games back. If he's not at fault, why not give the guy his full senior season? season? You know, I've always said time and time again that adults hamstring so many things involving kids. And if, we, if the kids could just run it by themselves, they'd probably run it a little bit more handily. What was your feeling on this, Dennis? I'm still shaking my head about that. I, I still can't believe that I was there for more than two hours. Mm-hmm. Listening to the testimony, how, how the you know the hardships the kid went through. I mean, no fault of the kid at all. Um, you know, Braden River, you know, officials did drop the ball. They didn't fill out the right forms. I mean, they 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 didn't do what they were supposed to do. But don't penalize the kid. I mean, the the school's been fined, reprimanded, everything else. I mean, that's not enough. I mean, let the kid play. I mean, I read your story. The grandma was housing five children and two adults. So it was convenient that he was staying with the family. For all things, he was getting to school on time. I mean, it was easier. And to penalize a kid, this kid has a future in college football. It's not like he's a third stringer where he's not going to go on and have a chance to play college football. This guy has a chance to play on Saturdays. How much could something like this really hamstring his college chances going forward? You think? I don't think it'll hamstring his college chances. Mm-hmm. I think it'll hamstring his you know, progress on the field. Um, the, the, it was a random thing to just not let him play in any district games and not in the postseason. I mean, it just it was random. If you wanted to punish him a little bit more, let him sit out two more weeks, let him play the last five games of the season, let him play in the playoffs, there's nothing wrong with that. What's your feeling, Scott? I mean, do you, do you feel like the kid really got screwed by adults who dropped the ball? Pretty much. I mean, it's uh, like we were just, like y'all were just saying, it was not his fault. Um, it's getting into this situation, he's doing what he's doing the right way in the classroom and on the field, and just uh, the wrong way. He was... Uh, Definitely happy to be out there is what he was telling me the other night. Right, right. He knows that um, if, if his opportunities are limited, he's got to make the most of it. And he was um, he was playing with a big chip on his shoulder the other night. I mean, he came two yards short of getting one last touchdown in the final second. I think that hated him more than anything else in that game. I hope I never have to read the term impermissible benefits in our newspaper again. I don't think I ever heard that word or read that word before this this case came up. It's going to come up again. It's, uh, somebody's going to do something where it's going to come up again, whether it's on purpose or not. 
It's going to come up again. But what was the impermissible benefit? He didn't have to wait so long to use the bathroom at just, this family's just, home. He got uh, he had a, he could have an extra cookie after. I mean, what was the impermissible benefit? Well, the the, the fact that I guess the committee did not know that this uh, where he stayed, the uh, father was on the um, was a um, a booster member, and that seemed to. Rub the committee wrong. But again, okay, staying with a booster, where's the impermissible benefit there? Right, there, there was none. There was none. There absolutely was none. So, you know, I've been down here 31 years, and a lot of the adults down here need to maybe have their adult card renewed. Uh, but uh, more powerful knowledge. I've talked to him after a couple of Brain River games, and you did after this most recent one. Seems like a very nice kid. Yeah, so, yeah, he's confident what he does both on and off the field, and it's just that... Uh, Ron, I think we're getting a little tired of reporting and reading and hearing about all these indiscretions. Let's just play football. Hey, Peacock and, 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 and Bradley are back, right? No more issues involving head coaches. Uh, but, guys, uh, before we sign off here after 20 minutes, anything else besides high school football that maybe we can uh, touch upon? Uh, we always talk about volleyball. We always talk about uh, the secondary sports in the fall. I know that um, tomorrow night, Thursday night, Venice has a uh, – championship rematch of the uh, Class 8A final against Leon up at, uh, down in Venice tomorrow night. Uh, Venice is ranked 8 in the country. I think Leon's ranked 23 in the nation. Mm-hmm. But uh, That should be a good one. I think I said a couple weeks ago, if you're going to go to a uh, volleyball match at all this year, that's going to be the one to try to get to. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, they've also got that Battle of the Beast tournament coming up. And I think for the first mm-hmm. time ever, there's going to be no Mother Nature interference on this one. They've they, Two years, two years ago, that happened. I think last year, half the field got wiped out from it because of hurricanes, and that's uh, luckily for them that won't happen this year. Venice, Riverview, and Port Charlotte volleyball teams in the Battle of the Beach, three of the top teams in our area. And last week we had the Phil Dennis Boomer Dennis Swimming Invitational. Just want to throw that word out; it's growing. I think uh, Alice Smithers, the coach of Cardinal Mooney, had over ten teams, and they try to increase it every year. For the for you guys who didn't know, Phil. Boomer Dennis was a correspondent we all loved here, and he died several years ago of cancer. So, And he loved covering swimming, as we know. So that was going forward. Guys, 21 minutes, no snafus. Uh, any last words before we sign off? Uh, click the button. Click the button. <laughs> yeah, click the button. I think my microphone here is not very happy. Right. So uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been another fun time, but uh, let's just get ready for some football. Again. All right. All right. For Fernandes. And no rain. No, no rain, not for. Exactly. For Mafazoli, for Lockwood. Fernandes, we'll see you next week on the On the Grid podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.